All right, Sarah Curry is here. Where do I start with Sarah? We've known each other since grade, grade seven, seven, middle school. Miss Summers class. What can I say about Sarah? How you doing? <laughs> Want me? Don't say anything. <laughs> um, really good. I won't say anything. I'm, yeah, please. You're like, I have multiple things I could use against Sarah right now. You shut up. <laughs> um, we've been friends for a long time, and yeah. um, you reached out. You wanted to come on, and I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um what's going on how you doing let's have a conversation I am doing again. great oh yes yeah, so <laughs> the post podcast um yeah great my cat is being an emotional support animal right now in front of me so if my camera bobs it's because she's hitting her tail with it ease up okay me. um yeah That's and good. yeah emotional excited to be here support animal yep listen First to a bunch show. of your podcasts oh thank um, you very much coming on love it love what you're doing and then um yeah i just i listened to your most recent one with kate flick miss flick um did you have like, her as a teacher by the way i did have her as a teacher um i you know, i forget what she even taught me i blacked out a lot of high school i'm not gonna lie to you um same <laughs> yeah just keep it down there <laughs> my therapist is always like you know what like if you have a repressed memory and you're like thinking it's good down there then like keep it down I'm like hey you get me we don't have to unlock any of that um <laughs> but I really I really liked her I remember that it was much and she was very like energetic and wanted mm -hmm. to be a teacher you could tell which yes. was nice to have she um yeah you can tell she's very passionate about it and uh, I was joking 100%. with her about uh joking about her with the with her cart she's going around with her cart oh, <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the hallway she said she yes. might have even hit a kid um, <laughs> it on was occasion probably me maybe that's <laughs> why i repress it <laughs> it's a very concussion yeah exactly um, um, um you first no. yeah yeah um but uh yeah thanks for thanks for uh, the nice words thanks for coming on um and I, like i wasn't really uh we've been friends for a long time but i wasn't really aware of your story yeah and you kind of I reached mean, out and to told be me fair a little bit about i wasn't line. yeah i wasn't really aware of my story either um basically how i got here or how i became aware and i mean of course i didn't know if i should do it like chronologically or not but i mean i kind of want to start with how i got to where i am basically sure um like. and really it was just like i think when i started to stop drinking um and i also i had like kind of an evolving eating disorder so when i stopped like the habits of that that gave me coping, coping mechanisms and like drinking and drugs i kind of like opened pandora's box and then okay. there was a good like two years there where i really just like not lost it, but like saw everything for how it actually was and what was going on with me. Um, right. There was yeah, no and more, then, it took away the vices. That was, exactly. So, and then I got like all my diagnoses basically. Yeah. So which are, was that, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but was that two years ago, like now that you stopped drinking yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that? Um, well, so I think two years ago now that I stopped like doing any drugs and, um, like I still will have a beer now and then, but I haven't gotten drunk since August. So right. 
that's pretty good for me um to comparing so to sig- how it was significantly before. like slow down on it it's not a regular thing with you yeah well it used to be like every day right like i was right. working in the restaurant industry and i still am but it's just different for me now um and i would drop out of school a million times and i just was yeah i was really really trying to bury a lot of things looking back on it now you obviously like don't see it in that time and i don't think any of my friends saw it at that time too because i really was just like the fun person to be around and check on your fun friends um right yeah yeah because yeah i was in a really 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 dark place um but things didn't really i mean yeah the thing I don't really know where to start as much because I mean I feel like I should probably start with my eating disorder so what were you diagnosed with um as you kind of went along of course so um it was kind of involving and that's how it is for many people that have eating disorders for me it started like for I mean I've had one for as long as I can remember probably to like around age even 11 um I look back at my like um I was looking at one of my diaries and um, the first like page of like in grade five was probably like all my favorite foods, like one to five. And it was like Doritos, mac and cheese, like junior bacon cheeseburger from like Wendy's. And then um, (laughs) and then the next page was literally like today's eating plan. Um, Yogurt, (laughs) special K, cap it at that. And like days of workout. And then, um, at 11 years old. Oh yeah. And my parents would never let me get away with that. But like, that's when the behavior definitely like started. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. It just took like, yeah. And then, um, basically I had anorexia for sure. Um, through, through middle school and really, really through high school, like high school was really bad, but I was, I don't mean to cut you off, but like, Before starting that kind of behavior at 11, do you re- mm-hmm. recall like what led what up sort to of, it? Yeah, what led up to it, the kind of the triggers or like things that may have influenced you to do that? Of course. Well, looking back on it, like it was definitely a control thing. Like I had OCD, I've always had OCD, um, but not like the kind that you see in the movies. <laughs> um, I just had, I always had intrusive thoughts when I was a kid and I had, um, really bad uh mental compulsions so I didn't really have like the organizing like things but I would repeat phrases in my head and um I had I also developed this like tick in my head too that started to get really um loud in my 20s I would get like a it's kind of like a feels like an elastic band snapping like in my brain and I would count how many times that it would like snap. Um, so I think I always had that as a kid. Um, so I think a lot of it was like control and needing. So you're, you're focusing on something you can control because you feel like you can't, couldn't control your thoughts. 100%. And that's also a thing that eating disorders are definitely like embedded in is not what you also see in the media. It's not just like, I want to look like Kim Kardashian. Like, it, yeah, yeah it's much it can be like that and that is also an eating disorder like 100% I'm not um invalidating that but uh for my eating disorder it wasn't that it was definitely like my 
mental health that needed advice. And yeah, so in high school, it was always anorexia. Um, and also I was like, um, yeah, just wanted to be like cool basically. <laughs> um, and that was like the, like you had to be skinny pretty much. Um, so, and then in first year uni, I was in women's studies courses and I was like, what am I doing? Like kind of like snapped out of it. Um, and then I, I gained weight, which was awesome. Like to me, um, when I, whenever I've gained weight, like that has been meant that I was happy like in all honesty and then um yeah so, so I was I don't mean to yeah. cut you off again but what does that of look course. like 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 in high school like did that that's just kind of the same kind of behavior where you would like plan out your meals and stuff like that or like yeah, what did that look like, like for you um not even I of course I did that like I would do it like a, once a week I would probably like plan out my meals but I would never even stick to that oh and like I would probably just have like an apple a whole day and then like supper um but not even that I also was abusing running a lot um like I run now in a healthy way but like before I would only eat the apple and then I would run 15k like <laughs> just like things yeah. that you know it, it's funny with exercise too because I'm in the place now where I'm not like afraid to exercise and stuff like that but um going back into it you have to be really careful especially yeah. with somebody like me because I will like abuse it because <laughs> um, excessive one exactly like and um so yeah and then first year uni I um I got out of that and then I was in second year uni I was in a relationship um, but also this one probably like I was really, really heavily drinking too. So like the, I wasn't being as bad as much with my eating disorder. I felt like I had recovered from my eating disorder because the anorexia was pretty much done. But if I've learned anything, um, it's that when you kind of have one, you have to be very wary because you probably it like evolves and to different things unless you get you have to get professional help um right which I never got I never went to therapy any of those times and then before I go any further um I also got diagnosed with panic disorder so I I was playing hockey a bunch and I would have these concussions like I think I got three or four but I had never hit my head. Um, so they, looking back at it now, I know they weren't concussions. I would like kind of convulse and black out and go to the hospital, but they were just um, really bad panic, panic attacks. attacks. Yeah. So, so what did that look like? Did you literally fall down on the ice and like black out? Um, no. So basically like what would happen would be that I think the first time when I was like, like 10 I want to say I may have like hit my head a little never blacked out or anything but then I'd go back on the bench and um I would get this like feeling of doom rush over me right and then it was just like I need to go to the hospital like this is bad like everything's bad and then I would give in and like just completely start like convulsing and like 
shaking and um yeah just like do that for like 20 minutes and then they'd always take me to the hospital and that happened three times I believe and I remember every time too because I was a kid and I had no idea what panic attacks were and I like I remember them saying like this is a concussion like you hit your head and you got a concussion so like in my kid brain I was like you don't remember anything you don't remember who the so I remember like acting like I was I'm like oh like coming to life <laughs> and, the light's uh, so bright in here <laughs> well, I, yeah no dead ass so I remember as a kid doing that and the doctor <laughs> just walking around slow with an ice pack in your head like, for two weeks yes and I never like <laughs> like obviously I felt fine afterwards but it's funny to look back on but I and then I remember but you in, believed it right like that was your reality they told you that and yes. there's no reason for you not to believe it exactly and there was no like I had no idea and when I tell you I had no idea that any of those were panic attacks until like last year I'm serious like I had no idea that that's what it could feel like like right Right. So I remember in high school too, in gym class, I don't know if you were in my gym class, um, but I, I had a, I had a seizure, which looking back at it now, like it was a panic attack. And sometimes I even have them still, like if I, we were doing like the, um, what's that test? Beep test? Beep test. Yeah. And anytime I work out, sometimes when my heart starts beating faster, I will like spiral and think that I'm dying so and then I'll start okay. shaking and convulsing um but it wasn't like so I got taken to the hospital and they said it was like a post concussion thing and then it happened again um one time when I was with my friends and we were just like laughing and joking around and stuff I've got I got that wave of like and then I was with Hannah Morrison and Danielle Burke and they took me to the hospital and um they said again it was like a post concussion thing but like so none of that time, and that was like when I was 20, none of that time did any doctors, nurses, or anybody in the hospital tell me that maybe you have anxiety, maybe this is a panic attack. So yeah. I was walking around thinking I had this unknown disorder disease that yeah. was eventually going to kill me, which is great with somebody with OCD and panic disorder to have that belief in their head. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that, it's that's amazing like they didn't pick up on it, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. if given the information they were given and by the time you got there, like you say, you hit your head and then, you know, I guess that's just what they would assume that you had a concussion, yeah. right? And but it's just interesting that they didn't pick up on that yeah nobody nobody I think my mom had an inkling maybe um but uh and then I remember because like I didn't know anything about mental health in all honesty like when I heard about like anxiety like panic I really thought something else like I didn't yeah. know how that it could make somebody feel and then yeah. I remember I had a doctor's appointment and my doctor who is, she's actually amazing. She, um, she was like, it was probably like anxiety. And then that was the first time anyone ever told me that. And she told me that I should go to therapy. And I was like 21, 22 at that point. And, um, 
basically I was just like, no, <laughs> um, I was still like, I was drinking a lot and that just like, wasn't in my repertoire to like, that I needed that help. Like, I thought that that, I don't, I thought that therapy and like anxiety and stuff was for like somebody else, like not me, like I'm mm -hmm. level-headed and like, so chill. Like I smoke weed and like drink, like I'm chill. Um, right. But I was not that the least chill. Um, and yeah. So I think that's that interesting be though, because I think that's super common, right? Where people feel like uh, maybe that situation, but also like they're scared to, and maybe there was a little bit of that with you two where you're like, you're scared to actually go in and make anything. the step and, and, yeah. and take a look at what's going on. And I mean, it's just such an unknown too. Like, yeah going from like just living your life to being like i need like to go to therapy and and figure my shit out and uh i know i probably will talk about it but once you get there it's it's nothing to be scared about but uh it taking yeah. that first step is just so hard for a lot of people i think 100 percent. and i mean too i think i was in like a lot of denial i think that i was um i was definitely like a mental health like advocate at that time i was definitely not in denial in those terms. Like I had many friends that were um, suffering with stuff and I've understood that, but I couldn't understand like myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I moved to Halifax around that time. And I mean, before then in, in PEI, I was yeah drinking so much and having a lot of fun and very carefree and um being like my public appearance was much different than my private experience if that makes sense um yep but yeah so then I moved to Halifax um so what was your private experience during that time when you were drinking and and stuff well when I yeah so I uh, well I remember like I would drink until like four or five in the morning and then I would come home and just like lay in the shower for hours just like in a complete shell of myself basically and it was like that a lot and, and I mean I, I had a boyfriend at the time too and um everything was very like a facade for me I think like again how I was appearing to the public and what that relationship was like very surface level and I was right. trying to keep things like that for a very long time and um not being myself like 100 percent um still being like I was just trying to be fun like I was just trying to be fun and funny lighthearted. Uh, and then there would be those moments where I would be very alone, even though I had so many people. And yeah, I know. I, I mean, th this too was like those years, like 20 to 22, they were years that I wasn't actually like super harmful to myself other than like the drinking a lot. Those years, um, I think I was just trying to fake it until you make it um right yeah and I went to the, the doctor a lot but 
again, I, other than that one time my doctor said anything, I was always going to a clinic and I, they would always just say it was something different. I was also very obsessive in that way, like thinking I had a lot of health concerns, but that didn't really ramp up until about like a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, so get started into 23 year old Sarah. Um, that's when I went through a really, really tough breakup. So I was drinking a lot. I dropped out of school and I started exercising a lot, like in the having a glow up. That's what people like thought of it as, but it definitely was not that. And then that's when my eating disorder in like uh, evolved into bulimia. So uh, no, that I, I was 22, 22 not 23, 22. So, uh, yeah, like the bulimia for was really like a control thing. Um, and it became like an addiction of sorts. Like if you ask anybody who said bulimia, they would say that it was very like addictive. Um, and two, like when you have OCD, you, usually feel a lot of like guilt and shame for like the thoughts that you're having and yeah like what you're thinking of and it was really just like a release of it's kind of it's like hurting yourself but you were like yeah it's very like releasing I mean literally and figuratively just yeah it take it was like a feeling of hurt but it also alleviated um it was like feelings unhealthy stress release like once you throw up you feel that feeling after of like relief yes exactly um and yeah so I did that for about a year and I mean too with eating disorders it's something that I wanted to keep doing like I wasn't I knew that it was bad, but like, I didn't want people to know about it. And I didn't want people to think that I was like that person that was doing that either, because there's a lot of stigma around eating disorders and how they think people's motives are behind it and things too. Something that gets like, kind of has like a shallow fog around it. Um, But in reality, it it really is quite the opposite. Um, But I would, I would get drunk and I would like tell my friends, like it was a secret. Um, I was doing that so much and I would be like, but you can't tell anybody, right? Like putting that in an awful situation too, because it's also me who like, I, like I said before, I, I, everything was always a joke. I'm the fun friend, like that didn't want anything to be serious. Like I didn't want I didn't want anybody to help me. I liked, I would be there for other people, but I felt like I was strong and that I, that was like, I wouldn't show like weakness like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, yeah, so that lasted for about a year. And then, um, I, yeah, something kind of clicked. I'm not sure what it was exactly. I, like, I keep trying to remember that. I'm like, why? How did I just switch my mind like that? When did that happen? Um, but I went and I sought counseling. I think it, I think I told one too many friends <laughs> right. about what I was going through. So I went and 
I got counseling and actually to get back to what I was saying before I I didn't know the difference like of counseling psychologists like uh, psychiatrists and I didn't know what I needed so I went to a counselor and I remember like she was really really helpful for my eating disorder like really helpful um but then when I stopped that habit and like I stopped doing that um I it really opened Pandora's box like my OCD went from zero to like 100 and then my panic disorder went from like zero to 100 because I stopped like that vice that was huge and I stopped um I was still like drinking but not as heavily really um and then so I remember because I was I went to my counselor and I was talking to her and then I was talking, I was like, like, I've been having like, in like bad thoughts because I didn't know what intrusive thoughts were. I didn't know what any of that was like. Can you explain intrusive thoughts? Oh yeah, for sure. So like intrusive thoughts are basically like something, a thought that your brain is putting in your head that is not a fact about you and that you obsess over and um you think is a fact so like uh like for a one that many people have probably had would be like driving in traffic and you're like what if i just you know like that would yeah. be considered a intrusive thought like what if i went in front like what if i banged into that car yeah. um that and like people have those thoughts every day and it's whether you acknowledge it or not right like yeah so like that can be just like a passing thought that you're like, huh, whatever. Or if you have OCD, it's most likely to like really like upset you and tr- like just send you into a whirlwind. But my intrusive thoughts were much more like taboo than that. Like um, that's why when I went to a counselor and I was like, I've been having like bad thoughts and like, and she's like, like what kind of thoughts? Like she <laughs> was not prepared for like, what I told her and and then I could see her face like going like oh and I I need to get a new therapist like this isn't you're not you're not equipped for this and like that's totally okay um but and then I also met my my boyfriend and he basically explained to me like what was happening and I was like huh okay and then I got a new therapist and I was able to like tell her my intrusive thoughts without any judgment she specialized in ocd and um yeah so, she yeah go ahead. what so what sort of thoughts were they i mean you can just share as much as you'd no. like to but uh oh 100 um yeah so like i had thoughts about like i would be like and it was always when something was around right like it has to you have to be like see something and then your thought will go to it so i would like me and my boyfriend would be like like cutting vegetables and I'd be like what if you stabbed him with the knife and then I'd be like I'm a murderer oh my god I'm a murderer I want to stab him with the knife that's crazy you're crazy like and then I would go into like a deep obsession about like how like messed up that was and like why how could you ever have that thought and like another right. one like you'd be like if I'd be like with like uh, like you get like sexual ones too that are like really gross and 
it's it literally you, you get the images in your head and I mean I haven't had them in a really long time thank god but they are like tormenting and the fact that I went without knowing what they were and how to like um get over it is insane to me and I cannot believe that anybody has to go through that um because it really really sucked like I was in this habit of like thinking about how awful I was and how much of a really really bad person I was um not just like a bad person but like a murderer a pedophile like just like the list went on and not just like a person that cuts in line like a person that should be in jail like that's literally how my thought process was and um so yeah I went to therapy and I mean if anybody is suffering from intrusive thoughts do cognitive behavioral therapy because it will change your life like you she helped me 100% just combat those and I don't have them at all anymore um what was the strategy um maybe if you could just I mean 100 basically what cognitive behavioral therapy is is that you are like they are helping you change the way that you are thinking um not even just what you're thinking about and it's not like my therapist was never like well what did you go through in your childhood like she would never ask that she it was all about present like how can you um not change your thoughts but change the way that you are viewing your thoughts yeah right right like so if I'm like many like I said before, many people will be like, they will have those what if thoughts. Like if you see something, you'll be like, what if I threw my phone out the window? Right? Like everybody has those, but it's when one, you think you're an awful person. Like I would just had very, very low self-esteem. So if I already think I'm an awful person, then my brain is like, well, you're an awful person. What if you did this? What if you did that? What if you were this? What if you were that? Um, And that comes in so many forms. Like you can have it in your relationship. You can have it like in friendships. You can have it at your work. Like, and that's the other thing, like intrusive thoughts don't always have to be like the most taboo gross things ever. I think my worst intrusive thoughts at the end of it were ones that could be true. Right. Like the ones that I'm like, that wouldn't like, that could be true. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Like, yeah. Okay. Then maybe it is true. But I just, I was just thinking I was a fraud. Um, so, and uh, what therapy does is just like, you're taking the thought, basically you're not deconstructing it. Like you're not thinking it means something like, that's not what the therapist does. She's basically just like, okay, like, acknowledge it don't like go like that don't like be like ew oh why'd I do that don't get upset acknowledge it and let it go like Mm -hmm. so I was at the point where I would I was practicing just being like just like laughing be like oh brain you're so dumb like and then move on and like yeah that it changed my whole life in that regard um so So you were like kind of stuck in this like circle of you would get the thought and then it would go like a, it would be like a tornado of like, yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. That, or like a rabbit hole of um, going down. Like, mm-hmm. how could I think that? Like, and then just like 
just in a and then it would get worse and worse and worse yeah and it was a cycle right like and you mm. just have to break that cycle if you google intrusive thought cycle right now you will find imagery of like how it is a cycle i'm sure of it um but again like i didn't have very i didn't have compulsions as much i had a lot of mental ones but luckily i i didn't have um like pure ocd or um ones where you're like turning a light on and off every time they weren't um physical acts necessarily other than the my bulimia i think had a lot to do with that but um so yeah i went to therapy and did an awesome job with that so thankful for my therapist um but then um when the intrusive thoughts were done I was having uh thinking I was dying and obsessing with my health a lot so this is I'm not medicated at this point right like right so I was I remember I went to the clinic um four times in one week um and I got the same person every time and he like this is here in Halifax and at the end of it he was like um you probably have like some mental health issues like and he prescribed me Lexapro which isn't what I'm on now um at that point I wasn't I was scared to take Advil I wouldn't take vitamins um because I was scared that I was going to die. That was just like my thought process. Everything that I was basically having a panic attack, but all day, every day. So, so you're constantly in, like, constantly in a state of fear. Panic. Yeah. Panic. Yeah. R- like unlivable. Wasn't sleeping. Um, and I like, like I worked at Gahan and I would literally be. I was almost like being able to mask like how, what was actually going on inside of me because I would like be going up to tables and being like, hi, how are you guys? But meanwhile, I'm just like the, your arm feels so weird. Like maybe your arm's going to fall off. Like, just like I was in what was going on inside my head and how I felt like my body was, um, was completely opposite of like how I was showing it. Right. And, um, so that was like the next thing that me and my therapist were working on basically was just like how how can we like get some of these panic stuff down because I took like a a panic disorder test kind of not test like evaluation and I mean I scored 99 out of 100 like so she was a psychologist not a psychiatrist so she wasn't prescribing me anything um and it got to the point where uh yeah the panic attacks all day every day but then remember like the head thing that I said was really bad like the head snapping like an elastic oh yeah 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 you would count them yeah but at this point I wasn't counting them as much they were just like it was all day like just like really it was painful and it was really scary because I would Google things. I was obsessed with Google. So that's like another way of like you kind of having OCD, like obsessing over like um, 
I don't want anybody to ever know my Google search history because it's just like, <laughs> I would be like, why does my left, fing left finger feels, um, left-handed finger feels weird. And then I would get so many results. I'm like, I have left-hand cancer. <laughs> like it was yeah. just really bad. Um, and then I was also getting crazy head sensations. So vibrating all over my head. Um, and then the constant snapping. So I was. It's a really rough time overall. How long did that whole thing last where you were feeling like that? Um, that was probably a year on and off. Um, but then on and off the first half of the year. And then the last half was just like pretty much always. It was like something that I was used to. Um, and then, but it had escalated so bad that I finally was like, okay, I have to get a doctor and I have to talk to my doctor about this. And at this point, I did not think that antidepressants were going to help me. I did not think that. Like, that wasn't in my realm. Like, I was just like, they have to find this tumor and they have to get it out of my right. head. Right. Like, that's literally how I felt. I yeah. was not like, I need to get more therapy or anything. Because the last time, the last time I went, to therapy before getting medicated I remember going in and I was just like bawling hysterically and telling her like what was like how bad how just how bad it was and like um the snapping the like vibrating the like float floaters in my vision and she was just like you need to get a neurological exam like I mean she she's like I can't help you um and then her husband was a psychiatrist so like on the down low she asked him what he thought and he just said like I mean it could be psychosomatic which basically means like you are um in your head you are like manifesting it so much that it becomes real mm. to you um mm. So I, I went to my doctor and it was the first time meeting my new doctor and she listened to everything. I mean, she didn't, it's so hard to get everything all in a doctor session, but she was just right. like, uh, take citrulline, which is Zoloft. So um, I've been on Zoloft for seven months so um the first month was like the worst month of my life of taking Zoloft um I was just like this is making everything worse like this is um not helping at all um it was making me nauseous it was making my head sensations worse and then all of a sudden like I woke up one day and like my head felt normal for the first time in like a year and a half wow um yeah so it was like a cloud completely lifted um so I'm on 75 milligrams of Zoloft and I didn't think that it would just I mean therapy helped so much but like Zoloft saved my life 100 percent um wow yeah 
So you just woke up and all those sensations in your head and all that stuff was just not there. Just not there. And I remember waking up and I was like, it's going to come back in an hour. And then it didn't come back in an hour. I'm like, if it, if I don't have this all day, like that's, did I just, in the first time in world history, take the first antidepressant and it like completely worked. Um, because a lot of times people get such, I mean, I had really bad side effects for the first month, but a lot of times people get really, really bad side effects, um, or it completely numbs them. And for me, I was just like completely myself again. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. That's a really good like success story for, uh, for yeah. antidepressants usually you know and there's always I mean the um, I think that people have to be really careful with antidepressants I, I think there's some cases where you should really stick to therapy and for me a huge thing was just understanding what was going on like because mm-hmm. the aloof yeah. of it and not knowing made everything 10 times worse especially like for my health concerns and all of that, like just the unawareness of it made it 10 it, times worse. It completely wreaks havoc in your, in your mind. Do you think you're just going to die? Like you could just yeah. die someday. You don't, you have no idea what's going on. Um, 100%, yeah. 100%. And I, and like, I could ask myself when I was 18, like, are you like, are you afraid of like dying even? And I probably would have said no. But it was such like a, it really, really fucked with me at the end there. Um, But yeah, like uh, back to the antidepressants, like I think that it doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I know for me, it saved my life like completely. And I know for other people, it has saved theirs. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is like to let the drug get in your body and not just quit because it's really bad the first month. Yeah. Like I was on Reddit um, every day that first month because there's like a Zoloft subreddit and I yeah. would post on it every day and people would, would like, I mean, in those times, because I was so bad at talking to my friends and my family about what was going on, mm-hmm. I really needed people who were in the same situation as me Yep. Especially like having what I had, like with intrusive thoughts and stuff, that was not something I could just tell people about because mm-hmm. it really was um, really heavily stigmatized. Like, especially if like you tell them what they are, it just isolates you even more, alienates you even more. And there definitely was like a couple times when that happened that I was just like, okay. I can't talk. I, yeah, I need, I need like somebody that doesn't know me or somebody that's going through the same thing as me. So yeah, yeah, like the Zoloft Reddit page, I made like a lot of friends through that page just because I was posting so much and people would message me and like, I would stay up all night messaging people that were like, so like gracious to me and so nice. And like, completely talked me off of like going to the hospital or um yeah and I and to like 
my boyfriend at the time I and still he com- I don't know if I could have like completely gotten help without him either I think it just takes like those people in your life too that I mean they're not gonna like completely fix you or save your whole life but they're like gonna be unapologetically there for you yeah without any consequences um or fear of judgment Mm -hmm. and that was always like the case so yeah I definitely definitely I'm thankful for reddit (laughs) yeah no and I think like just um I think that's super important to mention too with reddit and with like the internet now where you can kind of like because i kind of did the same thing um with a uh, stomach condition i had mm-hmm. and um it's a lot better now but like you're just so like into this specific thing where like you can find like communities where people are going through the same yeah. thing and it makes yeah. it does make you feel better and people post and like you share your posts and you're all like encouraging each other exactly like to see like people get better too people that have mental health problems especially like yes it is really nice for people to be there for you but sometimes you being there for other people is almost just as good for your mental health so like respond me responding to a post being like hang in there like um if you need anything like let me know or whatever like that you feel like you're not a waste of space. Like yeah. you're, I can be there for somebody too. Like, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a connection and kind of similar to what you're saying about your boyfriend and other connections you had in your life as well too, apart from Reddit. It's like a, um, a solid bridge to another person where, you know, mm-hmm. you can walk back and forth. So if yeah. you have a problem or if I have a problem, we can communicate it to each other. But yeah. um I always reference this, one of the uh, other podcasts, um, Joe Puya, he was a uh, counselor and he was a coach mentor to me, but he, uh, he talks about the importance of connections and that's how he phrase mm-hmm. it, like building bridges. And the more of them that you have, the, um, more the healthier you know. Yeah. Yeah. The healthier you feel mentally, right. The more solid mm-hmm. connections you have. <clears throat> and that mm-hmm. goes to like, you know, your friends and your family, like your um, people that you love, your family yeah. and your friends that are like family exactly the, and those I always, solid connections yeah I always had such a good like support system like my family and that's the other thing is like it it was me that did such a bad job at like not a bad job but I just didn't want anybody to know anything like I had yeah. put those walls up and it, in kind of a hilarious way too, because I made it seem like I was such an open person. Like, yeah, yeah, I'd be yeah, like, yeah. Like I, I, that's how I all like. You've known me in middle school and high school. Like, I would joke about things, and people would just like think that I was like this really open person. Yeah. But in reality, like in a way, those were walls to actually keep people away from like what was really going on and misdirection. <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah. i talk about poop right that <laughs> yeah, means yeah, i'm yeah. open look at this magic show <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly 100 percent. and um Don't yeah so, yeah exactly <laughs> so i think that was a lot of it and i i really do i feel guilty in that way that i didn't let people be there for me um and even with right. this, with doing this podcast, I told my mom that I was doing it and 
um like she knows pretty much everything but not like not the great lengths of it you know like people know the like the core things but they don't know like the in-between or how I really felt about it only because start to finish in your in your words yeah and like I really just was not letting people know like I was not I never was like help me like yeah I need you right now those words would never come out of my mouth and like I think that's what's really important for other people to know too is that like you there's nothing is your fault right Mm -hmm. like I mean for people that are supporting people with mental illness like um nothing is your fault like I just think that people need to know that it does take two to tango and you can help people with the amount that they can they give you but the things that you don't know you don't know you know yeah yeah. And if they're not going to let you in like that, then that's just like how it is for them at that point. But now I'm like very open about everything. I still make jokes about everything because that's just who I am. <laughs> Sometimes right. people are like, that's too much. <laughs> like my friend, um, my friend Julie at work, she's, she's so funny and so sweet. And I still will be like, joke about like my eating disorder like my OCD and she'll just be like ha ha are you okay <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine <laughs> it's just that's not how I cope even necessarily but it's just like that's how I needed to be perceived you know right not right. as a joke but like as something that I've overcome and that yeah is behind me and we can laugh at yeah you take some you take power away from it when you joke about it Exactly. And I mean, don't like anybody listening to this podcast, don't go joking to your friend that had depression and overcame yeah. it. Maybe they don't want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's <laughs> so the person that this. went through yeah. it that has to initiate it, right? Yes, or don't, take has to say it. Yeah, don't take that as an initiative to be. Um, <laughs> and just start hazing your friend who's going through yeah, a rough time. Belittling your friend that's going through a rough time. Let them do it first and you can laugh at what they say. Maybe just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play by ear. One hundred percent. And I think too, the other thing is like so many people that I know have like suffered through some type of mental illness and even back to the eating disorder thing, like so many people I know have gone through disordered eating, whether they wanna acknowledge that or not. Like I am volunteering right now for um, eating disorders, Nova Scotia, and we went through a lot of seminars and stuff. And now I'm just like, oh my God, now I'm just too hyper aware of like what everybody is doing around me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. like scanning for eating disorders everywhere I go. Do you need help? Like, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's just kind of, once you get that awareness, you really, it, you see a lot more. What are the people. signs that you look for from the uh, from what you learned about it? Um, I think maybe signs me, that you could look for in yourself if there was someone that yeah might be going through it. Like it's tough because obviously I can say the the regular ones that like oh they didn't eat at lunch or like 
something like that. Um, but the ones that are more hidden, I like, I really have to say the working out and the counting calories. Like I totally love working out. Like I go to the gym all the time, but there is really, really a fine line and the goals of your workouts too. Like, Mm -hmm. is it a good headspace? Are you building muscle? Are you working towards a goal or like what, what is your, what's your mind? Like, where's your mind at? You know? Yeah. I think it's really important to like ask people questions about that too. Like I see people um, with their Apple watches and like another thing was having an eating disorder. And if you know somebody that has had an eating disorder, um, don't tell them that all you had today was coffee. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, don't be like, oh, I forgot to eat like breakfast or like lunch. Oh, I just forgot. It's like when you're telling that to someone that has an eating disorder, which is a very, very competitive thing. I am like, even now that I'm fully in recovery, like feeling great. If somebody says that to me, I'm like, why did I eat breakfast or lunch? What, why did I? And like, I punish myself still for that. Or even like, if someone's like, yeah, I went to like, I burned like 2000 calories at the gym. I'm like, like, don't tell me that. Like, I don't want to know that information. Um, and mm-hmm. I think too, like, that doesn't mean that somebody has an eating disorder. I think that there's disordered eating all around us. I mean, think about it. Like eating is something that we do most in our life. Like we almost as much as we do like sleeping, like it's something that we need to survive. Um, so it really is so easy for people to have disordered eating, um, at one Mm -hmm. point in their life. And I mean, like for people when they're trying to live up to body standards for sure. Um, but it is also something that is really, really easy to hide um, from your friends and loved ones. And it can be clam- camouflaged as something completely else, like that you um, even the health. A, exactly. And or that you had a rough breakup and like you're just focusing on yourself or stuff like that was really mm. in my case what was it, what what it what it was. Um Cause I would get, and I, what also fuels an eating disorder is compliments. Like you look great. Like all mm-hmm. that stuff. And you're just like, I do like, this is working. Like I do look great. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, it just kind of spirals from there. Um, yeah. It's really tough. Like to say what to look for in eating disorders. Um, but there definitely are pretty concrete signs for my experience it really just was um the obsession yeah really I mean even like my friends will say it's just like why do you have to run every day like Mm -hmm. can't you just not run this time it's like Mm -hmm. people would want to hang out and I'm like no I'm going on a three-hour run it's like why it's (laughs) it's like 6 (laughs) p.m like why are you doing that um but, and it was like, I could not eat unless I did that three hour run. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, you're, um, what's making bribes with yourself almost like, um, but yeah, it's tough. That's the other thing. It's like people that 
people who have it disorder eating disorders do not want your help most of the time so yeah. they will lie to you um yeah which i did many times like so yeah it's difficult you kind of yeah you need people to see what's actually going on yeah it seems like it kind of goes to like some sort of rock bottom or it uh yeah. that could be an intervention from someone who's close 100 percent um that's the thing like i was lucky i mean i got professional help obviously but i stopped doing really i, I stopped doing like the my bulimia had stopped before i got professional help which that mm -hmm. really really rarely rarely ever happens and i look back on it and i'm not really i'm not sure why it did happen like yeah i uh yeah so i forget like the percentage but it is very very low for people that help themselves you usually need because it's like an addiction yeah yeah so right and there's usually deeper things going on right like exactly like, like and i mean too like addiction can be a symptom right of something else going on mm -hmm. um and it not that it usually is but most often and it's the same with like eating disorders too it's usually rooted in um mental health like uh when i was doing all the um mentor like things for my volunteer work we met up with a bunch of people that had eating disorders and we were all talking about like our story and stuff and it was crazy to see that most people were just like yeah and that's when i was diagnosed with ocd or like that's when that yeah mm -hmm. so it's just like yeah there usually is there's think, complexes it usually is something deeper right uh-huh um so that brings you to now and mm -hmm. you've been on the medication for seven months you said yeah seven months and you still still feeling good feel so great like life is i mean the COVID 19 has definitely sucked but for 2020 and 2021 had these been like the really really good years so far that's beautiful sarah well i think that's might be a good place to end it um mm -hmm. i just want to say thanks again for uh for reaching out and wanting to share and, and coming on and thank you for being so open about this i know um it's it's not easy to share and i, I really appreciate it and i think it'll help people yeah, that's what we want to do. <laughs> Woo. Thanks Woo. a lot, sir. Um, I'm going to send you in the mail some uh, some sea salts from our sponsor. Oh, um, sponsor. I don't have the box here, but uh, it is the uh, Prince Edward Island Sea Salt Company. Awesome. So there's four different uh, kinds of salts in the box. And I'll deliver that to you in the mail. Everyone go check them out. 40% um, of all proceeds go to mental health programming on PEI. Nice. So definitely check them out. And uh, have a great day, Sarah. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. Woo! Woo!